Chapter Twenty Five of A Mayfair Magician, a Romance of Criminal Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Aaron White. A Mayfair Magician, a Romance of Criminal Science by George Griffith. Chapter Twenty Five. Headley Siemens had not yet seen Jenner Halkine in the flesh. In fact, since his marvellous escape from Nethermore, no human eyes had seen him undisguised, save those of Issa Ramal and Ram Dass. The electric cluster over the table was alight, and as the director ushered him in, he saw a rather tall, spare man, dressed in black, clean-shaven, grey-haired, and wearing blue spectacles, rise from one of the seats of the table, fold his hands, and bow in silence, as Issa Ramal said, Brother! This is Headley Siemens. Welcome, replied Halkine, with, as Siemens thought, a just perceptible start. Then he quickly removed his spectacles, and taking a couple of steps forward, he looked straight into the gold king's eyes. For the first time in his life Headley Siemens found himself instantly under the power of a stronger will than his own. The magnetic eyes had caught his glance, and held it just as a man's grip might hold the hand of a child. He simply stared back helplessly, and in a moment or two he found his thoughts beginning to wander and scatter until he seemed only to have one clear idea in his mind. That was that somewhere, and somewhen, far away and long ago, these eyes had already looked into his just as they were doing now. Then he heard Halkine's clear, strangely familiar voice say in a low, almost gentle tone, "'I never forget a face, and I know yours. I saw it last in Japan. Yes, in Yokohama. But then it was not the face of Headley Siemens, millionaire and student of the inner mysteries.' The words, quietly spoken, and in a voice almost as soft as a woman's, hit Headley Siemens like so many blows in the face. Never to his knowledge had he seen Jenner Halkine, the escaped convict from Nethermore, before, and yet here was this man with luminous, penetrating, magnetic eyes looking as it seemed to him through his own and into his brain, and telling him about that other self of his, which that day had begun to follow him like a spectre rising from a grave, which the brilliant successes of his later years had convinced him was by this time nameless and forgotten. But now it had a name and a memory. If this man with the all-compelling eyes had not only recognized him, but named the very place in which his other self had deliberately procured the killing of Harold Enstone's father, what chance could there be that Enstone himself had made a mistake? There was practically none. His clear, quick intellect, trained to act instantly and almost automatically in the face of any possible combination of circumstances, told him that Issa Ramal, possibly speaking from more perfect knowledge, had been right when he told him that absolute understanding of each other was the most unbreakable bond that could be forged between man and man. I think, Dr. Halkine, if I am right in addressing you by that name, that after what you have just said— the proposed experiment with the apparatus seems rather superfluous. It seems to me that, at any rate, I should enter upon it at a decided disadvantage. What do you think about it? He continued, as it were, wrenching his eyes away from Halkine by a supreme mental effort and turning to Issa Ramal. 
That is a question which I think I can answer perhaps even better than our friend the director, said Jenner Halkine quickly, and with a certain emphasis which added to Seaman's conviction that he, and not Isa Ramal, was the master spirit which controlled the Institute and all its vast possibilities. You see, my dear sir, he continued, moving a pace to the right and facing the Gold King once more, there can be no advantage on either side and when you and i are both at the mercy of the searcher of souls the revealer of the inmost secrets of the human mind i need not remind one of your vast knowledge and experience of the world that there is no man however good he may seem in the eyes of his fellow-men whose inmost soul does not contain that which would revolt his dearest friend if he could see it quite so I think that, if you will excuse me saying so, was said rather more neatly by some Frenchman about a century ago, replied Siemens, with a justifiable touch of acidity to his tone. In fact, the saying has passed into an axiom by this time, and it only needed the invention of such a diabolical contrivance as you have here to give it both mathematical and mechanical proof. I hope that you will pardon the adjective. Certainly, laughed Halkine that and the rest of what you have said of course i ought to have known that such a well-known saying must be quite familiar to a man of your wide reading but may i ask why diabolical he went on with a motion of his hand towards the machine the inner mechanism of which was already purring gently as though in anticipation of the work that it was about to do to tell you the truth my dear doctor the word is not my own at least it was suggested by the recollection of my last experiment. You remember that, Dr. Ramal, of course, don't you? When Her Highness snatched her hands away from mine and fell back into her chair saying that she had seen into hell, it was not particularly complimentary, but on the French philosopher's hypothesis it might possibly have been true. Possibly, replied the director, dividing a smiling glance between him and Halkine. You see, my dear sir, you committed what you will perhaps allow me to call an indiscretion in permitting a woman, and worst of all, a most clever, brilliant, and charming woman, to look open-eyed through the windows of your soul. And after a very brief inspection, as I understand, laughed Halkine in a suggestively irritating fashion, she came to the conclusion that she had seen quite enough of what she described with perhaps more candour and completeness than premeditated courtesy. And now, Mr. Siemens, am I to be privileged to take a look into that same, uh, what shall I say, inferno? If you understand me, doctor, as well as I believe I understand you, replied the man who had never shown mercy to a fellow creature whom he thought he had at a disadvantage, I guess it won't be anything very far from a fair exchange. If you were going to look into an inferno, I reckon that I shall have the enjoyment of a pretty lurid spectacle in exchange. Insensibly, he had lost control of himself for the moment and drifted back through the years to his other self. "'Ah, yes,' said Halkine, looking into his eyes again. "'Yes, I remember now. In those days you were Collier Banfield, if I am not mistaken in the name.' "'You needn't worry any further, doctor. That will do,' replied Headley Siemens, thrusting his hands into his trouser pockets and walking towards the mechanical demon that was purring on the table. "'I guess it will be a pretty fair exchange.' 
Sit down. I am very glad that we understand each other so far to begin with, said Halkine as he went towards the chair in which the princess had fainted, and sat down. In all the history of psychology such a struggle of soul against soul, each laid bare to the inner vision of the other, had never taken place as that which ensued during the half-hour in which Hedley Siemens and Jenner Halkine had seen each other exactly as they were. The mask of flesh, which for ages had been impenetrable to human vision, had been removed. The disguise in which every man, woman, and child of all the myriads of the human race had passed through life from the creation until now had been stripped off. As the athletes of Greece and Rome had wrestled naked with each other in the arena, so these two souls had struggled through that terrible thirty minutes, and both had come out of the conflict outworn, yet not outdone. Their vision had grown blurred, the unearthly light generated by the tubes and reflected in the mirrors had grown dim, their hands had relaxed their grip, and in the end, almost at the same moment, they had fallen back into their chairs with a nearly simultaneous sigh, which told Isa Ramal that the experiment had proceeded to the utmost limits of human endurance. He moved the two switches on the table and turned on the light in the electric cluster, then came a swift descent, if not from the sublime to the ridiculous, at least from the occult to the practical. He touched the button by the side of the door. Ram Das appeared, and he ordered him to bring brandy and soda and do it quickly. Both men wanted it very badly, so badly, indeed, that Isa Ramal found it necessary to prescribe another when he had got them back into his own sanctum and planted them in armchairs facing each other on either side of the fireplace. Seated thus, they formed the most curious study in humanity that even he, who had progressed through age after age, and life after life, to the possession of almost perfect knowledge, had ever seen. They sat still and silent, and stared at each other with blank, unmeaning eyes. They, too, he saw, had in a sense reached the perfection, or, at any rate, the completeness of knowledge as regards each other. So the spectacle suggested itself to the student of many mysteries, as one disembodied spirit might have looked at another, bare, naked, knowing everything and therefore unashamed. They were the verification of another penetratingly wise French saying, Tu comprendre est tu pardonne. And yet there was another factor in the solution of this weird problem, which astonished, almost shocked even him. Those two men, knowing each other as no two human beings had ever known each other before, also most manifestly hated each other, with a hatred which seemed to be almost superhuman. And then another chilling thought struck him. What if he and Jenner Halkine, while inventing and constructing what Hedley Siemens had already called, with perhaps some justice, this diabolical contrivance, had really overstepped that frontier which divides the humanly possible from the impossible. What if they had placed within the control of human hands an engine too mighty for human hands to control? How would it go with them if this machine, through the medium of which they hoped to control society, merely wrecked it by making human association impossible? There was something terrifying in the thought, even to him, but as he stood and looked on these two silent, dull-eyed men, who an hour before had been two of the most brilliantly capable men to be found between East and West, he knew in his own soul that the thought was a true one. 
While he was thinking thus, Headley Siemens lifted his glass with a limp, nerveless hand, carried it unsteadily to his lips, gulped the brandy and soda down in long swallows, put the glass back on the table, and ended the long silence by saying in a voice strangely unlike his own, "'Well, Jenner Halkine, thief and philanthropist, murderer and martyr, liar and truth-finder, what do you propose to do? Knowledge such as we have now cannot remain unused. What use do you suggest that we should make of it? I think the best use we can put it to will be to accomplish each other's complete annihilation, as far as this stage of existence is concerned, replied Halkine, listlessly and without any apparent interest in the subject. But that, I presume, would hardly be an acceptable proposition to a man like yourself. No, replied Seaman slowly, not quite. I must say that if you and I were alone together in some places I have been in, I should have the greatest satisfaction in killing you. Of course you would, said the other, without a trace of emotion in his voice. And I should equally, of course, consider it a duty to abolish you, granted always that I could, which I do not now think possible. And why should that be so? exclaimed Isa Ramal, startled for the moment out of his habitual calm by this amazing statement. Because, replied Halkine, turning his head slowly towards him as though with an effort, because I have learned now, as Headley Siemens has learned, that contrary to all human belief, perfect knowledge does not mean perfect power. On the contrary, it means impotence. How could I injure this man, or this man injure me, when each of us must know the intention of the other beforehand? Can you not see, adept as you are, that all power of human injury consists primarily in the ignorance of the injured? Could I, for instance, have made Godfrey Enstone forge his own will, drive himself mad with drugs, and then kill himself, if he had known all the time that I intended him to do so? That is why Headley Siemens and Jenner Halkine, each desiring the other's death, are utterly incapable of even hurting each other in the smallest degree. It is an utterly infernal situation, but we have created it ourselves, and of course we must take the consequences. Yes, I understand, said Isa Ramal quietly, and yet with a faint note of triumph in his tones. I see that a new power has been born into the world, a power which can only be used for evil on those who become subject to it. I am glad that I did not make the experiment with you. Headley Siemens laughed the spectre of a laugh, and said, speaking just as impersonally as Halkine had done, that gives you a distinct advantage over both of us. Incidentally, it also suggests that it will become necessary for one of us to abolish you. End of chapter 25